Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria back with you just a couple of weeks to go in the regular season. And uh, man, if you look at the standings, if you've been paying attention, you know how tight it is. A whole bunch of teams playing for their lives right now. And as a result, we've got amazing basketball every single game. Big crowds, big games, big performances. And we saw one of them yesterday in the heartland of Southeast Melbourne from the Phoenix and from my guest today, Alan Williams. A massive performance in a big win over, over Perth to keep Southeast Melbourne's season alive. So sit back, relax. Up next, Alan Williams. Big Sauce, mate, how's it going? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm going well. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. On your day off, too. Yeah. Mate. That's chilling, big time. Chilling, chilling, yeah. So it's, <laughs> when, but when Liam Santa Maria calls and says they want to get you on the huddle, then hey. uh, you, you find time. Appreciate it. Uh, I mentioned the result that we were recording this, of course, on Monday, 23rd of January. Yesterday, what a massive game for you guys. What an awesome atmosphere it must have been for you and a big performance for yourself. What what was your big takeaway from that win over Perth? Man, um, big time win for us, as you said. One we needed to keep our season alive. And uh, as I said at the the end of the game to the fans directly, uh, we got some of the best fans in the NBL. They show up every time, no matter where we play. And uh, we could definitely feel their energy um, in in our last game for sure. I think you can feel theirs and they can feel yours, my man. Like earlier in the season, the win over Melbourne United, this is our city. Uh, And yesterday in a crucial period of that third quarter, you were really kind of bringing the energy to get your teammates going, but also to get that crowd going. You enjoy that that interaction between you and the fans, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a a two-way street. I I bring it and they bring it and. Together, it, it, it turns into something really great. So um, my game has always been one of a lot of energy and, and, and trying to keep the crowd engaged. End of the day, that's why we're playing the game is to, to entertain the, these great fans out here and uh, provide a good brand of basketball. And so when they show up like that and they bring energy, it's, it's, it's on me to, to bring mine. And uh, I, I got a lot of it. Were you like an energy guy since way back when, like coming through as a youngster? Yeah, I mean, uh, Probably my parents could probably tell you stories of me being a kid and being the one that's the most animated on the bench, um, animated on the court. Always had a big, loud voice and uh, been vocal uh, even as a kid. And so it just kind of comes natural. I, I really enjoy playing basketball, and I think that's where it kind of stems from the most is just my love for the game. And, of course, in that sort of um, smaller stadium at the State Basketball Center, it's almost like a – I don't know, like a high school or a college gym, and it's but it's packed to the rafters. And anytime you get a small gym that's completely full, standing room only, you can create an, an enormous atmosphere. Do, do you enjoy that more, or or John Kane when maybe it's not full, but there's more people in the stands? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and one that I've actually thought about quite a bit here after being able to compare the two places. Obviously, playing at State Basketball Center is amazing. There's so much rich history uh, just about the state of Victoria's basketball scene and, and uh, even Australia basketball further than that. It's great to play there. But there's something about playing in that big arena at, uh, at John Kane that, that kind of just 
brings it all out of you and, and, and you get your best performances in a place like that because you want to put on a show. It's, it's, it's a bigger stage, you know, uh, but uh, definitely a special intimate feel at, uh, at, at SBC too. You put on a show, mate, yesterday. What was it? 27, 14, and 6. Um, what what was it about that game, that situation that, that kind of brought out your best in an enormous line like that? Uh, yeah, you know, um, first, obviously, starts with uh, my teammates finding me in places that I, that I can be effective. Um, I'm not a point guard, so I'm not the one with the ball in my hands most of the time. So a lot of it is relied on good schemes by our coaching staff and as well as my teammates being able to find me in the right spot. Um, but overall, I felt really good going into the game, was really confident, had a good week of a couple of days of practice after our, our last game and just felt like it was going to be a big one for me um, last night. And I'm capable of doing that. And I've shown it in this league throughout the whole season, just being consistent as I feel I have been. And so um, in a do or die situation, uh, I really get up for those and, 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 and want to make sure that I put my best foot forward to give the team the best chance to, to stay alive. That, that Wildcats team has been playing well of recent times. Um, they had a big game on the Friday night back in Perth. Did, did you talk with them in advance of the season? Did you, get, did you come close to signing with the Wildcats? That was kind of the word bubbling around Australia at the time. Yeah, no, there was some interest there um, from both sides. Uh, obviously, John, Coach really um, was with UC Santa Barbara where I went to school, and so the connection was there already. And it was something that I kind of thought of, but uh, it just didn't work out. And um, both sides moved on, and that's how I kind of ended up with uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. But, yeah, there was definitely interest from both sides, and uh, it, was a, it was a good conversation that, that we were kind of having back and forth. So instead of uh, teaming back, uh, well, connecting with that UC Santa Barbara connect uh your team back up with creaky your former long island net teammate mate there's long island nets all over this this league what's going on with that hey you know it's it, that was a great team we had with some really great talent um obviously our performance that season was great as well ended up going to the g league finals losing in the championship but um uh, all those guys were high character guys and, and high talent guys. And I think that that's showing this season too. You got Shannon and you got Taj both playing at a really high level. Mm. And of course, uh, my MVP pick, Mitch Creek, is uh, with me. So um, it's, it's, it's great to be able to have that connection there along with another group of G League guys that you kind of see around. So uh, it's definitely a cool thing. So he's your MVP, MVP pick. Why, why do you think Creek is the most valuable player? I think... Mitch Creek is the most valuable player based on the consistency of his performances. Uh, he hasn't missed a game all season. Uh, he, his team has been through the ringer with injuries and different things kind of going on. And I just think he continues to rise to the occasion. He's always Creek every day of the week. And um, it's uh, that kind of rhyme crazy. But uh, no, in, uh, in all seriousness, no, he, he, he puts it out there every single time he gets a chance to step on the floor. Um, his numbers speak for themselves. I think he's second in scoring or first in scoring behind Bryce, something like that. Um, up there in rebounds, gets everybody involved, defends at a high level, doesn't shy away from any matchups. So the list goes on. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm a big advocate for him being MVP. Um, and I guess we'll see what happens at the end of the year. His numbers, he had bigger numbers over the course of the season, but I was really impressed with his game yesterday because – as a superstar, you know, as a leading scorer in the league, as an MVP candidate, there was like a calmness about him and a team first mentality that I thought came to the fore in that game because you were killing and Rowdy was killing 
and you guys were doing a great job of finding him and Gary was doing his thing and it, that whole starting unit was really flowing. So he didn't feel the need to kind of like impose his will on the game in a kind of forceful way. He just he just kind of played, which I think sometimes, you know, you get late in the season and guys have a chance to win the scoring title. They have a chance to add an MVP to their trophy cabinet and all of a sudden the way they go about the game starts to change a little bit, whereas that didn't happen with Creek yesterday. No, he's, he's a big-time team-first kind of guy. And, you know, you get a lot of people that say that they are, but I, I think he truly lives that. And uh, Last night's game was a testament to that. You know, obviously our team is, is talented, and when we have all of our pieces together, I think we're like 12-4 and four or something like that. So we're, we, we could easily be up there in the mentions with, with one of the better teams of the league. Um, but uh, there's just never been excuses uh, in, his, in his end. And so he's – He's always put the work in and, and showed it with great performances. And then nights where me, Rowdy, Trey, Gary, whoever it may be, are going off. There's never this feeling of, oh, we got to make sure that 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 Creaky's touching the ball too kind of thing. It just it happens to find them. And good basketball happens that the right people end up with the ball at the end of the day. And so um, the first game was me and Rowdy. And who knows what happens next in Kansas. It could be somebody else. That's the special thing about this team and the special part about Mitch Creek as, as, as our leader on the squad. You were talking about like uh, areas and, of the game and, and your schemes in which you feel comfortable. We're going to definitely talk about the float game in just a minute or two because that's just a beautiful thing to watch. But I want to talk about the art of scoring from the block for you. When, because it's something that you guys benefit from the ability to kind of drop it into you and then you can kind of operate. What, what, you know, I was watching, I was watching a video of um, uh, Alper and Sengun working with the dream yesterday and uh, him kind of teaching like the art of, of score and how to use the spin. What, what are kind of your um, approaches to scoring in the block? When you catch it down there, what's the first kind of thing you're looking at or feeling or trying to get done? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, when I get on that block, I want to shoot a right hook more times than not. Like, that's the scouting report. I'll give it out there for everybody that's, that's <laughs> out there listening. He wants to go to a right-hand hook and uh, have different ways of getting there. A lot of it is just doing your work early. I know the closer I can catch the ball to the basket, the better opportunity I have. Um, I can get extended and face up and drive and spin and do those kind of things, but I really like being right around that basket and using my size to seal off my defender and keep them behind me. So mm -hmm. at that point, they're kind of uh, at my mercy and uh, hope that I miss it rather than, than affecting the shot. And so it's definitely something that I've been able to continue to craft and build as I've gone on in my career. But it's it's always been an emphasis in my game. Like even as a kid, I was on the block um, in high school. I was on the block, college and all throughout my career. It's been, it's been that way. And so um, obviously different parts have expanded my touch and my floater, stuff like that, um, all has come about to be able to score in a pick and roll without dunking the ball. But um, that yeah. block is, is is my is my is my bread and butter. So I, I like I like being there. I was talking on the broadcast yesterday about um, like your ability to and desire to kind of initiate contact in that situation because you've often got defenders who are taller or longer or they jump higher. And you've got to find a way to kind of turn that situation to your advantage. Now, one of them, of course, what you're saying there, you try to get them under the bucket as you catch it. But if not, I often see you trying to like initiate the contact so you're at least getting the shot off or at least getting to the free throw line. 
which is huge because you know like um sometimes guys they don't want the contact they want to they want to fade or they want to go to this that 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 avoids the contact where it seems to me like you're seeking it out yeah no i'm a big body you know i'm not a i'm not a little one of these tall springy guys that you're starting to see kind of come about at the five position nowadays i'm a true big and um i think i'm one of the few true big men uh, in the NBL, and I mm -hmm. got to use that to my advantage. And so, like you're saying, that creating this space initially just kind of lets me know where my defenders are, and I use my body as like my antennas. And obviously, I can't see them with my backs to them, but I know that if I feel a right arm here, then that baseline spin is there. Or if I can get them off with a left elbow there, I can create some space and make that defender try to react and try to make a play. And at that point, I can go into it and grab, get a foul or, or get an M one. And so. There's a little nuance and stuff, and maybe I try to see contact out a little bit too much, which is probably why I have issues with offensive fouls or or missing some bunnies around the basket because I'm seeking contact. But uh, I think uh, in my eight years as a professional, it's uh, it's done me pretty well to go out and, and, and initiate that initial contact and kind of set the tone for uh, for that possession. And then there's the floater. Floater. And then there's the ball screen, the short roll catch and the floater or often it comes off maybe a creaky post catch the double your man just helps a little and you get that catch just below the free throw line sometimes it's at the free throw line yeah. there's been one or two that have been a step beyond um tyler harvey brought the long range floater to the nbl two seasons ago we fell in love with it but from the center spot what you're doing with that thing and in fact yesterday you probably didn't see any of the new zealand sydney game but will mcdowell white put on a a floating. I watched the end of it. I watched the end of it. That was a masterclass. That was a masterclass. That was a beautiful thing. Talk to me about how you developed that shot and when you like to go to it. Yeah, I actually don't even know the inception of the shot, to be honest. It was just kind of something that, that happened. Um, I know in college, didn't play a bunch out of the pick and roll just because the college game is a little slower, more slowed down. And I got the ball on the block or I had some face up opportunities at like the free throw line and elbow and I would use a, a spin move or to get through it. But as I developed and the talent that I was playing against was more athletic, I found myself having more and more issues of moving the defenders the way that I wanted to. And I wasn't able to get my shot over these taller guys. And so um, when I got to the NBA and I was in Phoenix, we were just rolling pick and rolls with myself and Tyler, Tyler Ulis, And I just, caught it right there around the dotted line and just started putting it up, putting it up, putting it up. And it was dropping. I'm like, yo, this is a nice one. I get it off quick. Um, you can't really time it because I'll hit it in and out, in and out, and then throw it up there and it goes in. But uh, it's definitely something that I've incorporated into my regimen of workouts over the summer. And it's something that I'm continuing to improve on. Um, the touch has always been there in my life, but just now with this floater, it's um it's it's continuing to expand and uh, I kind of want to shoot a three-point floater one day. I don't know how Simon would feel about that. Maybe not this season, but uh hope somewhere down the line, hopefully uh I can get one of those off. Cause I hit one against DJ Mitchell in, in the Brisbane game and he like we we're running down court and he like, oh, you shot that from the free throw line? And I looked down, I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that I did it. Most times when I'm putting it up, I don't know where I am. I just know where I want the ball to go. And so uh it uh it goes in. Okay, we would love to see that. Hey, listen, if that happens, I need you to find the camera. I'm, I'm, you know I know where the camera is all the time. <laughs> I, I'm looking for it. I got I to be Because when I spoke to Gary earlier this season, he said, I've never had a dunk in a game, but he's like, there's something about this season that makes me feel like maybe I'm going to throw one down. 
And he's like, and when I do, I'm going to find the camera. I'm going to point to you and say, hey, I told you on the huddle. There it is. Three-point floater. I'm right there at the camera. I might hold it for you and then uh, <laughs> smile at you. Good man. Hey, um, how are you enjoying playing in the NBL? I love it. You know, it's it's still at, at this point, obviously it's not a young league, but in the growth in which the direction it's going on, it's still at its kind of young point. And you can just tell that it's due for just this explosion of talent, resources, interests, and everything kind of going on. And to be a part of that at this stage is, uh, is, is a real honor uh, for me because uh, it's not often in your career do you get a chance to really help to try to cultivate and build something that's bigger than you. And so uh, I take that on with a lot of responsibility and a lot of pride to uh, be a representative of this league uh, all over the world. And so uh, that's with talking with my friends playing in Europe or the NBA or whatever it is, it's, it's really giving the props to the NBL and how it's run as a league and uh, the direction that I think that it can go in. It's, uh, it's really exciting. It's funny because you're kind of talking about the league in that way, but I guess the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix as a club are kind of similar, right? Like young, um, building something, um, trying to kind of get to that next level. What have been your impressions of the club that you're a part of um, late in your first season there? Yeah, for, for a young team, it, 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 it works and operates like, like an older one. You know, obviously there's pieces that have come from all over the MDL, whether it be the CEO or whether it be the head coach or assistants or what or what have you, um, players included. But um, it just feels like it's, it's it's on the verge of being something special and a team that can last in this league and compete for championships year in and year out. Um, a really strong fan base and a really good tie and connection with the community. I mean, us as players, I'd like to think we have a, probably the best impact within our community out of all the players in the NBL, just because we're out there so much speaking to kids at school and, and doing different things to try to tie in that community feel. And um, it's a representation of our ownership group, of our management group, and of who we are as coaches and players. Um, we all want to be involved and engaged with the community because we know how important that is for the growth of not only Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, but the, the league as a whole in the NBL. So it's something that we definitely take pride in. And the city that you're based in, Melbourne, you guys are obviously the southeast in the southeastern corridor, those suburbs out there. But the city centre, like I know you're you're a bit of a foodie. Yeah, we got great cuisine in Melbourne. Have you got to experience the city over the course of the season? Absolutely. Um, anytime I get a day off, I try to go out and do something. My partner and I were at the uh, Peninsula Hot Springs earlier today getting a nice uh, soak in. That was great. Um, dinner everywhere around the, the CBD and beyond. Um, South Bank is super close to us. You got the Aussie Open going on. So there's always something happening um, here within Melbourne. And it's just been an, an, exp an incredible experience uh, for me here. It's just being able to see and do things that, you know, when you first initially hear about Australia, you don't think that's what's happening. But um, it's 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 booming or it's on, as some of my teammates would say. It's definitely on. It's on. Now, see, now I know why you had such a big game yesterday. You had a Peninsula Hot Springs booking in place. There it is. That's probably what it was. I was looking forward to it, too. I was like, ah, I want to get a good game in so that I get a good relaxation and really can just Man. chill out. What, there is literally, for people around the country, there is literally no better way to spend like a recovery yeah. day or a day off than to head there. I agree. It's, a, it's amazing. So, so with all those good vibes, the league, the club, the city, 
I asked a couple of people in advance of this chat, hey, what should I, should I bring up with, with Big Sauce? What should we talk about? And they were like, find out if he has any interest in coming back. We want to, obviously, there's more work to be done this season, but people want to see you back in the league next year. Are you open to it? Absolutely open to it. Um, like I said, I, I, I really enjoy this league. I enjoy the, the team that I play for and the city I'm in. Uh, I enjoy competing against the other nine clubs and what they all have to offer and bring. And uh, I enjoy being a part of, like I said, something that could build into something special. And uh, I would love to be a focal point and piece for the expansion and growth of this league and, and this team. And so I'm definitely open to the uh, the possibility of coming back. Obviously, you know, it's a business and uh, there's always going to be different things out there around the world. And with the season that I have, have had this year, um, I'm sure there'll be interest out there. But uh I definitely am am interested in in, in being here and, and, and being back in the NBL for sure. Nice. Um, I want to just ask you about a couple of guys that uh, within within the team, one of your teammates, but also your head coach. And I want to start with Ryan Brockoff. Did you have like a word to him, or did you did you wrap your arms around him post game yesterday? Because that was that was rough watching on 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 the screen and seeing him as distressed as he was late in the yeah, game. It, it's, it's crazy because I had to like go back and watch to see that portion of it because us as players on the court we didn't see it so like I didn't know what was going on until almost afterwards I'm, I'm listening to the press conference and I'm hearing Simon talk about it I'm just like whoa I had no idea and so um you know it's, it's just tough especially for the the type of person that he is and if anybody knows Rowdy they know how great of a person he is and uh, for him to have to continue to go to these these injury things, it's just it's it's hard, you know. As he's he's our brother, and I think more than anything, the the the, the toughest part is just seeing him have to go through this in battle. Um, aside from the fact that we won't have his, his expertise on the court with us, um, it's just seeing him struggle through that is uh, is, is it's really tough on all of us. And so our uh, prayers are always with him, and we're going to do everything we can as a as a playing group to continue to support him uh, in this process, and and uh, just hope that he can get better as fast as he can. Yeah, I feel like the basketball gods were kind of cruel to him, like the way that happened. Like he's had a rough couple of years, no doubt, with injuries, and he just kind of has been getting weird ones. Like you know, he gets an elbow yeah. to the eye, and then this weird hip thing that happened, and then um, it almost felt like yesterday it was like the basketball gods were like, "Listen, we're going to injure you at the end of this game, but we want you to remind you what you can do yeah. before that happens, so that it kind of keep you motivated for the recovery process." Because he was absolutely in fuego oh. in that opening half. I mean, but that's the that's the the, the 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 that's that's who you expect to see. You know, that's that's the talent that he is. That's why he was a high paid player in Europe. That's why he was an NBA guy. That's why he's a marquee guy on our team. Is because the talent's there. The the, the mindset is there. The work ethic is there. And uh, like I said, he's a guy that that also brings it every day. And whether he's on the court with us or not on the court, he's there in those meetings. He's talking, he's rehabbing, he's doing all the things the right way. So hopefully his luck can turn around and um, he can get back from this one and, and stay healthy and, and, and really, really continue to, to push through his career. What about Coach Mitchell? How have you enjoyed playing for, for Simon Mitchell over the course of this season? Yeah, Simon's been great. You know, um, from, from, from Jump Street when we got here, and when I say we, I mean us as the import group, myself, Trey, and, uh, and Gary. And he was great with communication on us and to us about kind of the direction that he sees this team going. Um, we've been able to build more trust as this season has gone on, and he's, he's been able to keep me out there in situations where I think I can be successful and find ways that, 
that that helped me to be the best player that I can be. And so um, obviously he's a he's a well-respected guy around the league and um, just wanted to all work out well for him as well. So, Hey, I asked um, your former Long Island Net teammate, Tajir McCall, this question last week. Uh, um, and uh, I, I love the way he handled it because he kind of went, he, he thought about a few guys around the league. I wonder who or like as an individual or a team and – it might be something specific about what they do. Who or what has kind of impressed you outside of the Phoenix and your organization, your fans, your teammates uh, around the rest of the league? Now, I know you're a competitor yeah. and you're in this race for the playoffs right now. So there's a part of you that the, that is naturally a little reserved in that regard. But is there someone or some group in some kind of way that's impressed you over the course of this season? As many of Jack jumpers. Plain and simple, like from the first time we got off the plane in Launceston or uh, I think, no, we might have landed in Davenport, our first trip of the year back in the early September. Um, they are just so solid in how they operate. Solid. And uh, Coach Roth does a tremendous job of holding everybody on that team accountable, uh, everybody knowing their role. It's like a plug and play kind of mm. system where it's like, you know what you're going to get from these guys every single day. You know you're going to be sore as heck when you're leaving the gym playing against them. And I just I really respect the way that they go about doing their business. Um, everybody can sit there and say whatever they want, or they don't have the talent, or yada yada yada. I, I think playing hard is a talent, you know, and they they have that in abundance. And so a lot of respect for the uh, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers organization, those players on that squad, the coaching staff, and uh, the fans are great too. So uh, definitely a, a lot of love for Tasmania. Love that. And the the word solid is just perfect yeah. for the Scott Roth calls it out from the from the sidelines defensively. He's like, stay solid, stay solid. But it just yeah. encompasses, and it's why you can always rely on them to bounce back from losses. Like they're the, for me, I said this on the broadcast a few times. They're the best team in the league at bouncing back from a loss. Yeah, like whatever yeah. happened last game for them, like it just is not um, doesn't relate to what's going to happen next. They're like a next play mentality. Yeah, I was about to say we we haven't we have a next play mentality kind of thing and a mantra that we kind of try to live by and work by. Um, but they're the the, the epitome of, of that, you know. They really they really do that every single yeah. time out there on the court, whether they win or lose. Mm. Um, they they are tazzy always, and that's uh, that's something that's that's really respected. And, and you said that you kind of you feel them when you play them, their physicality. I, I've mentioned a couple of times about how um, they chart their kind of physical checks when you come down the floor. They call it like a hello. Mm. Scott Roth wants these guys to say hello every time down the floor. Do you, do, you, do you experience that when you play them? And what what is what impact does that have over the course of a game? Yeah, for sure. First play of the game, you're going down and, and Magnate's hitting you and then they sub in Krislovic and then they sub in Barlow and they just, they, they just keep them coming in and out, coming in and out, and they all bring that that hit first kind of mentality. Now, I'm a physical player, so you hit me, I'm hitting back, or I'm hitting first type of thing. Right. So we uh, we definitely get into our, our, our scuffles and our battles. But, uh, again, it's just that level of respect um, from someone you know that you're going to get that physicality every time. And so uh, it, it happens a lot. If you watch the Tazzy game, watch their bigs as the opposing big is coming across yeah. our court. They're, they're, they're saying hello for sure, yeah. but I, I'm definitely the dude that's going to say hello back. So. <laughs> I imagine if I could see you in that. We talked about you seeking contact, wanting contact, like the first play, and then you get you like, okay, great. This is what it's going it. to be. 
That's it. We're going to have a dog fight tonight. My dad taught me this as a kid. He said, first play of the game, walk up to the guy that's guarding you and elbow him in the chest. If he looks over to the ref and cries, oh, you're going to kill him. But if he, if, if he hits you back and puts you back, then you know you got a dog fight tonight. So that's just kind of the mindset I've, I've always gone into wow. with the game. So That's cool. That's almost like, you know, what is the philosophy like in the lockup? Like, find the toughest guy there and kind of like get it you know get, get it on but yeah that's that's, that's you with the bigs i like it for sure awesome man well thanks he's for the chat it's been great to pick your brain about the game no and doubt. the league and about and your place in it and good luck the rest of the way got um some big games coming ahead and uh we're going to be watching closely and hopefully for you and your fans sake uh, and that organization you guys can get it done yeah, hopefully getting that, that the finals run that we want. Thanks for having me on, Liam. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Cheers.